Yes, you, you lucky sausage. You found the Talk Marketing Show, where the League of Marvelous Marketeers give up everything you need to be more successful in your business. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, Good morning, Mr. Mould. Morning, Mr. Henley. How are you? <laughs> I am extraordinarily well. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this, man. I really am excited. I know it's taken us, it's actually taken us about six months because I had some weird tropical bug when we organized to do this first back in March. And it's taken us this long to put it back together, but here we are. So I'm really excited to be speaking to you. Um, what's interesting about this is I don't really know much about you. We've had one conversation. I'm speaking to you on the recommendation of Jim. And Jim's never given me a bad recommendation in his life, so I'm really excited to be speaking to you. There's a first for everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> there is a first for everything, but um, I don't know. I get a sense that you're a good guy and you've got something really interesting and useful to share with us. That's, that's what I think. Um, so thank you for agreeing to be here. As you know, there are only four or five questions, and one of them is kind of like a supplemental questions. Um, the first question is how you're qualified to talk to us about marketing. Second question is what is it that you do and who do you do it for? What, what do you do to add value to the world? The third question is how do you feel about marketing? The fourth question is what is your recommendation for people in this weirdness that we seem to be um, experiencing currently? And then the fifth question is who should I speak to next? So those are the four, five questions. So where we start is how are you qualified to talk to us about marketing? Well, so I've run two businesses now. This is my second uh, venture, RJM Digital, which is a, a marketing company, um, a web design and SEO company. Um, but running a company, you have to, you are in charge of marketing. You have, you decide where your brand goes. You have to decide who your customer is how you're going to market those customers, drive sales, et cetera, et cetera. So I think actually doing it and working with marketing agencies and also then being a marketing agency to work with other customers, that's been, a, I'd like to think in a pretty good stead, whether I do it right or wrong is a, is a different matter and probably for something for someone else. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how, I, how I've ended up here. Um, my, my background isn't really traditional marketing. So my background is a web developer at university. I've been in corporate sales for startups, large corporates, etc. Run my own business before in the IT sector, but always kept up with the software development side of things, building websites, building online presence, building platforms, etc. And so now, as the sort of market has evolved, where you would have to say arguably the majority of marketing the majority of sales especially in this post-covid world blah 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 is that it's all gone digital and where i sit with that background of in my sales and building platforms building websites etc i like to think puts me in a pretty good stead to to help other companies small business owners uh, drive their marketing efforts okay fantastic excellent great answer 
So, um, you have two businesses. I'm only aware of the marketing agency. What is the, the other business? So, well, so they're, they're kind of both of the same thing. Um, so, my other business is a company called Positive Impact Digital. So, we're only just starting it. Um, and it helps build sustainable and low carbon websites. So, uh, not a lot of people realize that the whole, um, the internet contributes to about 3% of the total carbon emissions. Uh, and that's the same as the airline industry. And not a lot of people realize that they, the websites and digital platforms and stuff like that, they're all, majority of them are run on data centers, which aren't powered by renewable energy. And so you cater that into really inefficient, bloated websites using platforms like WordPress, Wix, Weebly. Um, and considering the amount of billions of websites are out there, it's, it's a huge contribution factor. So we've got some funding from the UK, also funded from the EU. We grabbed that before everything happened in the, at the start of this year. And uh, we've d we're just starting to launch that company now to build really efficient, but websites that are 100% powered by renewable energy. Fantastic. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was 3%. I mean, I know that there are data centers. I know that they're powered somehow. But that's interesting, isn't it? How did they manage to go under the, under the radar like that? Well, I think it's because websites, you can't touch it or feel it uh, or anything like Zoom. So this, you know, what we're recording on now, what we're doing our podcast on, that is being powered by some infrastructure somewhere in the globe that is obviously being powered. And so it's very easy to say, well, I'm driving a car or I'm doing this activity, I'm doing that activity. And you can attribute a carbon emission to that particular activity. But in this digital world, you kind of just go, oh, well, it's been powered by the cloud in some respect. But people don't actually realize what, that, what your contribution or your website contributes to the carbon emissions. So that's what my mission is now with this new company. Uh, alongside RJM Digital is to say, well, actually, look, you are trying to reduce your carbon emissions. You're doing X, Y, and Z. Um, but actually, this is some area that majority of people that I speak to, they've got no idea about. They have no idea about their websites, no idea how it's powered, the data centers, etc. So it's something a bit innovative and something a bit different. Cool. Innovative and different is good, and reducing yes. emissions is good, clearly. Okay, cool. The other part I like about your answer is that you say you are a business owner and that qualifies you to talk about marketing. Yeah. And I 100% believe that is the most important thing that qualifies you about marketing. You know, I get really upset. Do I get really upset? I do get a bit upset about academics who are very forthright with their opinions but they've never developed a product. They've never taken that product to market. They've never used the, 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 the money from those sales to employ people, pay salaries and rents and taxes and all of those things. So yes. I think for me, that is the most important qualifier. If you have done that, if you have yes. taken something to market, that for me qualifies you to talk about sales and marketing. And it's interesting that you have like a sales background because that was my background before I was in marketing, I was in sales, and the two kind of slot together. Good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also with the likes of academics, obviously they do great research and you, know, you can never uh, doubt their work or anything like that, but actually spending your own money on marketing, working with marketing agencies, doing the actual stuff and then figuring out as the result, after the results come in, 
either wasting a load of money or you know just spending a bit of money and going you know that was amazing that was great you're only really going to get experience or knowledge by doing it you can do as many algorithms or modeling and all that kind of stuff as you want but it's until you get into the field with anything in life anything in life unless you get out into the field you don't really have the experience a hundred percent and unless you've put some skin in the game then you're not qualified to talk about yeah. it as far as i'm concerned okay good and especially as a business talk about owner. It. yeah especially as a business owner as well i think when you put your right in a small business owner once you put your own money into it you either can use that money to pay off your mortgage or whatever or you're actually invested in marketing that's when you really want to get the results that's when you really ultimately know if something is working um, and that, that's probably the best experiment that any business owner could do um, is, is by put, putting your own money in because that's when you know if, it, if it's truly going to work or not. 100%. 100%. So now we're getting, because I think, and I tell people all the time, and whether they care or not, it's another thing, but I think business is essentially sales and marketing. I define marketing as finding, winning, and keeping customers profitably. And I wouldn't define business very differently. You know, it doesn't matter if you make great donuts or what, you've got great IT solutions or whatever it is, if you aren't very good at finding, winning, and keeping customers profitably, you're essentially not gonna be very good at being in business, and I would argue not be in business very long. So we're agreeing. And for me, it is kind of a, but I don't, want to, I don't want to take you down what I think. I'm interested in what you think. So you're, you came to, how long have you been running the marketing agency? So we've been running it for just over three years now. So, well, if you include my freelancing, so for the past four, year, four or five years, I've been freelancing, just working with individual companies in London or across the globe or wherever it may be. Um, but it wasn't until February of 2020 when I thought, I oh, you know, I built a bit of capital. I'm going to move from freelancing to actually build a proper business. So I thought, right, really excited. Uh, this coronavirus, it was pass and go, whatever. This was February. Um, launched RJM Digital. Uh, I think I launched it on the 12th of March properly. Started going to some networking pieces. And I think, what, two weeks after that, we were in, we were in lockdown. The UK was in we were in lockdown, so uh, it was an in interesting time. But uh, yeah, I've been doing this for about four, four years or so, uh, partly as freelancer, partly as the, as the business brand. Okay, cool. And before that, you were involved with, what, what yeah. were you busy with then? So pr prior to that, I was in corporate sales, uh, working for an IT company, data, uh, data center management company uh, over in London. And then prior to that, I had my first business, um, called RJM Technology, uh, which I ran for about four or five years, um, which was selling data centers, uh, in, uh, servers, storage, all that kind of stuff to medium sized to, to large corporates. Cool. I started that when I was 24. Yeah. Excellent. So you are only, okay. Okay, good. And I don't want to paper over the fact that you started your business like 20 minutes before the global pandemic. So just give everyone a sense of how that feels. Well, you know what? It, it sounds a bit scary. And you think, Christ, well, how unlucky are you? But actually, it didn't really impact me that much because having run a business before for this one, and, and that was literally, 
I've I've had enough. You know, I was 24. I was in a in a sales job or whatever. And I'm right. I've had enough of this. I want to I want to start my own business. And I literally just resigned and, and did it. So and it was obviously lots of brilliant. Um, you know, because you just did it. But obviously there was a a lot of flaw, flaws and faults with that. So when I started to set up this next business. I actually had a business plan. I actually had a bit of an idea of when I may get sales and when I may bring on customers. And I actually had a bit of capital behind me to sort of kick things off. So I kind of did it in the right way. Um, so in my forecasts and plan, I said between March and July, I probably won't get much business. So I kind of forecasted nothing. and. What was the interesting bit about it was that I started doing lots of networking. Fortunately, it was all over Zoom, so you could go to way more than what you could do back in the face-to-face -face days. And I, rather than going, oh shit, my business is up, up the wall, I may have to put, worry about putting people on furlough, and basically business owners trying to protect their own business and their livelihoods, I was just out there prospecting. I was just going to every Zoom meeting. I was quite positive, quite energetic, uh, because ultimately I knew I wasn't going to get any customers, knew I wasn't going to get much revenue. So I just started building relationships and just started doing some stuff for free for people, gaining the trust, you know, doing all the usual sort of stuff you have to do, getting my name out there. And then it wasn't until sort of the second half of the year when things started to get back to normal in the UK before you know, sort of lockdown in December, January. And actually that's when things started motoring along. So. Um, and because a lot of people, business owners, had a lot of spare time because of furlough and what have you, and people were happy to do stuff on Zoom, I was reaching out to so many more people and getting people's attention for so much longer and so much more frequently, had it not been coronavirus, um, it's actually, it works out really well for me. So I, you know, I really can't complain in that respect. Okay. And did you have, because, I mean, what do I think? I mean, I, I'm not in the game of having customers anymore, so sure. I, wasn't, um, I wasn't as affected this time around. What I remember is 2007, 2008, yeah. um, the last time the, the bottom fell out of everything. And I, I can remember I was being petrified, and I'd already been in business like two or three years, um, and that did have a huge impact on us because, you know, we were actively finding winning keeping customers that's what we were doing at that stage um so were you confident comfortable because you had a sense of what you were doing was going to be necessary valuable or just that you had a process i didn't have a choice ultimately because <laughs> i you know what i mean you start a business and no one's employing during that time so i was literally you know back against the wall in some respects so i think that that 100% helped. It was a case of, look, I've started this, I've committed doing it, uh, even if I don't get any customers for the next six months, no one was employing, especially marketing agencies, because they've been putting people on furlough and they, you know, it's been a real shift and change in the, in the market space for marketing agencies. I think they've come out better now. Um, but yeah, it was a case of do it or or don't really, ultimately, you know what I mean? I don't want to be too drastic by it, but that was ultimately what happened. Yes. Okay, so I think that's interesting. I think that's really interesting. I think it's, the thing is that what I realized, I mean, I have a couple of clients and mm -hmm. the two clients went both ways. 
like one client went into overdrive like it was coming yeah. up for easter the whole staff were in for easter you know they went into overdraft and the other client the first opportunity to start furloughing people they did it you know they were yeah. they literally opted out and what i was saying to people not very many people because i'm not i wasn't talking to that many people was that this is either the biggest excuse you're ever going to have or it's the best opportunity you're ever going to have and it's not anything in between because there's all sorts of, and this is what I did in 2008. I started, I stood up in front of groups of people and I told them, you know, recessions are when the most uh, millionaires become millionaires. Um, businesses that start in recessions are typically the most resilient because they can't be lazy. Um, so it's, it, these things are always an opportunity. Um, okay, so it's interesting. So you... And I suppose now I'm thinking about it, I kind of did have a choice because I didn't have to engage. You know, I didn't, I didn't have to engage. Okay, so it's interesting. So we're talking a lot about your business and you and your situation, but I'm interested in what it is that you do with your business, who you do it for, and kind of how you add value to the world. That's what this is about. Yep. It's about marketing. Okay, so yeah, we're a marketing agency that focuses predominantly on websites, building websites and optimizing websites for our customers, and also building SEO strategies and getting them uh, ranking highly on Google. So the type of customers that we work with, uh, as I mentioned previously, is small business owners, uh, business owners with about four to five employees. And the reason why we decided to go down that route is that the majority of marketing agencies, they want the couple of grand um, monthly retainers, you know, they go for the big ticket stuff. And naturally that falls with, with companies that have got a marketing manager, that have got maybe a marketing team, they've got more than sort of 10, 15 employees. And so what we decided when we looked at the market was actually there are a bunch of these companies that are really ambitious, that do get marketing, but they're just, they're, majority of marketing agencies just aren't accessible to them. So we've looked at how can we package the knowledge of a, a traditional size marketing agency, how can we package that into building websites, SEO, all the other digital marketing stuff, package it so it's accessible financially for these, for these type of businesses, and also give the knowledge and expertise, but make sure that it's not overwhelming them with all the marketing jargon that, that that's, that's, that's out there as you, you know, as, as we all, as all as marketeers, we, we find ourselves getting into the habit of talking to and expecting that other people, especially business owners, know what that's about. Okay, right, good. And this was an 100% conscious choice that you are going to work, work with these kinds of businesses. Absolutely, yeah. So, so when, when we looked at when we looked at what our competition is, about what we do, where our values are, et cetera, et cetera, we just saw that, you know, putting our marketing hat on, that the, the, these, custom, these type of businesses, these type of customers, they're totally, completely underserved. Um, and there's so many opportunities to operate in this, in this space and also profitably. But you just gotta make sure you pick your right customer, make sure you, you what we have to do is make sure that we pick customers that are at this level, but we can work with them to grow. So that ultimately, when we get sticky, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, sticky with them, that we um, 
we, we grow with them and then our monthly retainers or our, our value, our services can also grow as they grow their business as well. Okay, good. Right, this is a notoriously, notoriously difficult market for marketing. Yeah. And it kind of goes to the crux of what I'm about. I am hugely in support of small businesses. Yeah. Small businesses are hugely beneficial to societies and to economies, um, but they are notoriously difficult to work with because I think there's three things. One, you've touched on already, so we'll come back to that. Um, the first is that um, small businesses are typically, like you say, you want to speak to the business owner, you want to engage with the business owner. But the trouble with that is that business owners of small, very small businesses are typically very egotistical. Yes. So they want to do what they want to do. And that makes it difficult. And also, if they're having a shitty day and you're the person who turns up, then like you say, they have carte blanche to hire and fire. So, um, you know, there's, there's a risk associated with that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is they're not particularly well resourced, like you say. So, you know, they, um, they don't have a huge amount to invest. The third thing is the, the thing that really interests me is that they typically don't get marketing. Yeah. Now, for me, what this means is they don't get business. They don't understand that it doesn't matter, like I say, how good their donuts are. If they're not finding winning, keeping customers profitably, they're essentially not in business, and they don't get that. So what I'm interested in is what you've said is choosing the right customers because these are the three huge pitfalls. I mean, well, any one of them are showstoppers. Yeah, well, so it's interesting your last comment. So I would say business owners that don't get marketing, I think that's not just their fault i think that's an industry fault as well and i think when you look at lots of marketing agencies is that we we're very good at spouting out stats you know for example from a, a google ads perspective you know uh click through rate and positioning and domain authority and all this kind of stuff but what the what the industry isn't very good at and this is a marketing thing is having accountability having accountability for our for our results and that's what drives business owners fucking crazy is you spill a load of marketing jargon and all the, you produce a report, it's got all these percentages and all this stuff, but ultimately a business owner only cares about profit, customers and, uh, and, and revenue, obviously. So if, if you are, what, what, I, what I sort of pride myself when I'm speaking to customers is that it's result driven and return on investment. And so any, any penny, any, every pound that is spent with RJM, we look to try and have a profitable ROI on that. Because I think a majority of marketing agencies and marketing people, they love the creativity, they love the fluffy side of marketing, they love all the, the, you know, the, the you know, creating really good, pretty things. But ultimately what they're not very good at, and this is where my sales background comes in, is the bottom, helping with the top line, uh, you know, top line, getting customers in, getting them to, to give them money and all that kind of stuff. So that's that's where I think there's an industry problem. Um, and so I think that's why business owners do get frustrated with marketeers, marketeers is because 
yes we can't be their sales director but we can definitely we def we can definitely give them solutions that will help with their definitely help with their sales and drive that and drive revenue and guide them where where business owners want to be okay good 100 percent. this is an industry issue a hundred percent not all of it it's like, part, part of it is no i think a hundred percent i think <laughs> i think um i don't want to have a row but i do think a hundred percent the thing is about sales and marketing if what i'm saying is true and of course it is because i'm saying it that sales and marketing is about finding winning keeping customers profitably then why is marketing so bad at doing that you know in london the average lifespan of a digital marketing customer is three months yeah you know so if those agencies can't sell themselves and there is an issue here it's difficult to sell yourself you know there is a need for agency here because there is a need for somebody to be outside of your business looking in and seeing what is attractive necessary required marketable um, but sales and marketing is so bad at selling itself like so bad and sustaining itself so I think a hundred percent and you talk about jargon but I think even beyond the jargon like you know I've got this series where I'm kind of I'm supposed to be going through all the jargon um, but even beyond the jargon there's like narratives mm -hmm. that suggest that you shouldn't really expect too much from your marketing like you go back to John Wanamaker famously said in the 1850s I know that 50% of my advertising is effective. I just don't know which 50%. Yeah. That is kind of the, th the thinking that persists throughout marketing yeah. is that marketing is just this fluffy thing that you'll probably do if you've got money to burn. But immediately there's a downturn mm -hmm. then or a recession. Then you're just going to cancel that marketing yeah. spend. And th that has kind of been borne out in this pandemic situation where you say marketing agencies just upped yeah. sticks you know, sent everybody home. That's insane. Yeah. I had a conversation with a friend of mine. He is in the anxiety business, okay. the, the addressing anxiety business, not causing anxiety business. And I said to him, look, there are two things, 100%. This was like three months in. There's two things, 100%, that people are going to need. They're going to need marketing mm -hmm. and they're going to need support with their anxiety. Now, thankfully, you know, he wasn't in my situation where, he, you know, he did dig in and you know he's doing really well much better than he's ever done previously um so that's interesting clearly everyone was going to need to look very closely at their market and work out how they could support those people in this hugely changing situation mm -hmm. that's what marketing is you yeah. know and but marketing it seemed to me i mean not the people i'm speaking to but you're saying other people are saying marketing agencies gave up you know straight out of the bat uh, straight out of the yeah and, and i think the reason being as well um and, and this is not just like a marketing agency bashing because obviously i want to you know i don't, I don't want to completely just say that the industry is broken and this kind of stuff but i think it's just a mindset change that we need that we need to have uh, as as an industry and i think we're very good at telling companies that they need to do social media that they need to do seo but we're not very good at saying why they need to do it and ultimately business you know business is business 
it's all about getting more leads, customers, and ultimately revenue and, and profitability. So I think that's what the, the shift needs to happen. The shift needs to happen is that we're not just that point before the sales team takes over. It's not just we're driving traffic, driving awareness and stuff like that. We need to work alongside the sales team. We need to, we need to be aligned with the sales team and be held accountable with whatever sales are doing so that we can then, we can then be contributed to, the, to, the rep, to revenue and to profitability so that if there is another pandemic or everything sort of melts down again, marketing, the marketing agencies aren't the first ones that's, that's stripped out because companies are never going to get rid of a sales agency or a sales person that, that is their top most performing salesperson um, during a pandemic. So like, well, we need you. We need you to, do, you know, to help us keep the company going. But marketing agencies, the ones that are just uh, thrown under the bus straight away when, when the shit hits the fan, you know, it, it demonstrates you're not provide not providing um, an, enough value, and I think that's that's probably should be the biggest wake up call for for most people in the, in the industry. Okay, good. I'm uh, uh, thoroughly agreeing with you, 100% agreeing with you. Except I am prepared to say that this is a marketing industry and it is a marketing agency issue, and if they are not delivering enough value, which I think if they're losing clients every three months, then they're not, yeah. you know, if that statistic is correct, or if they are delivering value and they're not actually able to present that value to the customers in the way that they actually value, so they want to sustain them, then that again is really bad marketing. So I am happy to say that this is an industry issue, like and where we're going in this conversation, because you are with SEO, I think SEO is the worst culprit for this. Absolutely. And what happens every time a marketing agency takes on a client and loses a client in three months, then they do a disservice to the entire industry. Mm -hmm. That doesn't matter. They do a disservice. I mean, this sounds like... Yeah. They, they do a disservice to business. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like... It's like, like um, small business owners are probably yeah. the most courageous people I think in the world. You know, they don't help themselves sometimes. They don't understand the right stuff sometimes. But what you can't say is that they are nothing other than courageous. You know, they are doing probably the most difficult thing you can do yeah. in your career. Yeah. You know, let's just say that yeah. they definitely are, and. The amount of sharks out there who will undermine that by taking up their resources, their time, their energy, their confidence, their money, mm -hmm. by bullshitting them is just frightening. Yeah. And this to me starts like right at the very bottom with whoever it is might phone you up from a local rag and demand you pay 35 quid for, a, for an advert that no one's ever going to see. Yeah. All the way to the very top of the chain where you look at Facebook and Google where they are taking money from people and not delivering value. And anywhere that happens, I think, in marketing, they're doing a disservice to the industry and they're doing a disservice to the market. Good. Well, okay, so let me just... Yeah, let me that's just, what uh, I think. Yeah, that's fine. So, so let me counter on this. So business owners can certainly be to blame, I think. Well, have, can have some accountability. Because, uh, yes, you can put 35 quid into Facebook and... Uh, Google or whatever you want, but I think also there's needs a bit of education from business owners about 
customers, about knowing who your customer, who, who do you want to be your customer, what does that profile look like? Because yep. business owners in the space that we operate in or I operate in, they're very good technical people. And I'm sure we've heard all about this from business coaches and all that kind of stuff, but very good technical people at doing what they do. So whether they're a good accountant or electrician or marketeer or what have you, but they're not very good at all the other business stuff. So there does need to be some education there because I think a lot, Facebook makes it very easy to spend money and say, right, you can target everyone in, in London, um, anyone that might, that might be female between the age of 25 and 35, and then you just go and push out your advert without actually understanding, right, who are the demographics, what are their interests, what are their profile and all that kind of stuff. So I think that, yes, Facebook, you could be seen doing a disservice, but then a lot of people are using these tools without any real education or being informed of how to use it, use it effectively. And it's the same with SEO and any other digital marketing strategy out there. Good, and then they blame the tool, and not actually because of them how they've used it. So it's kind of, it is a bit good. Right, this is going to be a really good conversation, I think, because I don't agree with you. Perfect. <laughs> it's like if you go to a doctor and you suffer malpractice, then you can sue that doctor, yeah. and nobody says, "Oh, it's the patients aren't educated enough." If you go to a, a dentist, if you go to an accountant, if you go to whoever you go to. If you don't get a good service, then you can sue those people. And I'm going to push back on your idea that, that business owners aren't accountable. They could not be more accountable. You know, if their business fails, yeah. then potentially their life fails. You know, they, they, they go bankrupt, they lose their house. Mm -hmm. The effect that that might have on their relationships, their family is huge. Business owners could not be more accountable. And here's the reality of what we're saying here is that those businesses, business owners that do get it and put their hands up and say, I need some help, more often than not end up getting ripped off. So that has to be yeah. an industry issue. And I don't know, I mean, I'm doing my bit. I'm trying to educate people. I'm not doing enough but I'm trying to do much more. And like you, when I was a year into my business, 18, two months, three years, it took me six years to, to, to realize, I wanted to be the small businesses marketing champion. Mm -hmm. And it kind of took me six years to realize that they don't really deserve one, but that's probably not fair because everything I'm saying now is that they do deserve one. I didn't do the thing that it sounds like you're doing, which is being very particular about the business, the customers that I took on because I, was, I didn't do as well as you. I didn't realize that actually running a successful business takes an investment of time, energy, and money. Yeah. I gave it a shit ton of time, a shit ton of energy, but I didn't have any capital behind me when I did that. So I was, I was running from behind all the way through. That's what I think. That's right. So in terms of the accountability side, it's not necessarily that, because yeah, you're absolutely right. All business as a business owner myself, you know, I'm accountable to my employees, to my uh, to my customers, to everyone. When I'm saying about accountability, it's about accountability of knowing or upskilling knowledge, upskilling training, whatever it is, into something before they commit to a load of cash or commit to partnering up with someone. That's that's where I that's where I say about the accountability side is that. That you can't just 
go into something, anything in business, whether it's marketing or I don't know, business development, whatever it is, I'm trying to think of top of my head, without truly understanding all the levels of the or all, all, all the all the nuances of, of it. You can't be an expert in these things, but I think you've got to have a decent enough knowledge of something. And you it takes a little bit of time before you commit to something. Because if you don't, then you can't just blame the agency, you can't just blame the tool. You have to take get accountability that I didn't prep that uh, I, I didn't use the tool effectively enough or I didn't prep the agency enough or I haven't truly understood who my ideal customers are. I don't know truly the profile of my customers enough to brief these tools and these agencies effectively to get the results that I want. Okay, I'm not rolling over um, because <laughs> because the thing, like my experience was, I did this for nine years. Like I say, yeah. it took me six years to realize that I need bigger clients with bigger budgets, with bigger commitments with management, like marketing management, yeah. because then they had a list of objectives that they needed to get achieved. And as long as we helped them to achieve those, then we were delivering value. So it took me a long time to realize this. But what I saw in the nine years that I was running my business is that so few business owners actually understand that marketing and sales is what being in business is. Yeah. And those few that do understand that and realize that they need some help with that, get ripped off, like I said before. So I go to an accountant because I can't possibly, like by the time I know everything an accountant knows, I might as well be in accountancy. By the time I, knows, I know everything that a marketing agency should know, I might as well be a marketing agency, do you see? Sure. So, I mean, I do think there's issues with these small business owners. I do think they run their, their businesses very egotistically, very subjectively. Yeah. That's what I think. And it, it needs to be about what they fancy and what they don't fancy, which isn't the way you should. That, that's not what marketing's about. Marketing is about serving a market. Yeah. Um, so I do think that they have issues. They could know more, but where are they going to go? You know, who is it who's like, you could do a degree in marketing. Yeah. And I've had people turn up and do my half-day marketing strategy course and tell me they learned more in that half-day than they did in the four years that oh. they did a marketing MBA. You know, so the academic stuff isn't useful. Yeah. The stuff that the industry's providing isn't useful. I don't know. I think we're going to have to agree to disagree. Yeah, because no, listen, well, I, I, it's just a balance. I think ultimately, so I, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. It's a balance, right? I'm saying that... The marketing agencies out there, there are lots of them, as you say, doing a disservice to the industry, but also there are business owners that are just blindly going into, into these things um, without really sort of just having a bit of background knowledge and maybe just tr almost maybe trusting people too much with these things. You know, you, you mentioned about the accountant, you can't possibly know everything about it. Well, if you ask Jimmy Carr, you know, his accountant said, do you want to pay less tax? And look what happened to him. So he's definitely, he, you know, he's the a, a pinnacle as to why you should understand why about something you're going into, that you need to understand, you need to have a good knowledge, a good balanced knowledge about every part of business, sales, marketing, accountancy, whatever, because there are stories like I mentioned about Jimmy Carr that, uh, you know, you can bet last bottom dollar type thing that he knows a lot more about accountancy than when he when he first got started so um yeah that's that's how i counter that but i, I just I, sort of focus um pick up on the point as well about 
the especially in the SEO world that there are so many sharks out there, um, and SEO is is in particular. Like we all, I'm sure we all get messages, emails from people saying that I can get you to the top of Google, I can do this and I can do that. Um, and actually, this is one of the reasons why I got into SEO because for, you know, for all of these ten terrible agencies that get a terrible reputation that really do the industry a disservice, if you can look different and if you can actually demonstrate some value and getting my first couple of customers was really tough, then you're almost like this knight in shining armor and it becomes really easy to keep your customers, to get referrals for, from customers. Because I think ultimately in my world, SEO, ironically, the best marketing tool that I have is referrals and word of mouth because I've built that trust. It's very results driven. And actually all of those 10 terrible agencies that are out there, if the one, the, the, the one out of 10 that is actually very, that's not very, uh, that's completely different and actually does demonstrate value, it's a great, it's a great thing for your, a great thing for your business. Uh, if ever dealt with estate agents, you know, it's easy to paint a broad brush and say they're all useless, they're all this now the other. But that one estate agent that appears different that you can actually trust, you're probably going to sell your house through them or via them or whatever it is multiple times. And you're probably going to buy other houses with them. So it, it can it can be a it can be a benefit operating in an industry that has got a terrible reputation if you do it. Obviously, if you are different and actually do it right. <laughs> Bless you. You are hugely optimistic, hugely, hugely optimistic. I absolutely love it. That's cool. And I, I mean, I'm just like getting flashbacks now from times when I've pitched. And, the, you know, one guy said to me, we were pitching for an SEO thing. Yeah. And the guy said to me, you know what, Martin, you will slide further on bullshit than you will glass. And he was essentially saying, like, everyone else who's pitched for this has lied to me. So, and that's very exciting, very intriguing, you know, very enticing lie to me is what he was essentially saying so in that case it was probably his fault that he didn't engage us and he probably got some um some shysters okay good right so you said what we're good at is telling people that they need to do these things uh, but not why they need to do these things yeah so interestingly why in 2021 does a business even need a website well, okay, so they ultimately don't. Not every business needs a, needs a website, okay? That, that is the ultimate truth of it. However, what you can do... I'm glad we're dealing exclusively in the ultimate truth now. That's yeah, yeah, good. exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, that is, yeah, ultimately, ultimately that, is, that is the truth, right? You, you don't need, from a, look at from a marketing perspective, you don't need social media, you don't need SEO, you don't really need anything, you know, you could... You can, you, it's only what your customers do, okay? If you are some someone like, I would say, okay, I'm just trying to think of customers that really don't need a website. I think if you're a solicitor helping with someone's divorce, they, no one is going on people's web, on multiple solicitors' websites and going, oh, that looks pretty, or this, that, they do this, or they do that because ultimately you want someone that's gonna help your, win your advantage or whatever, whatever it is. And so you're gonna get referrals. You're gonna be looking for word of mouth. I'm gonna be looking for whoever it is to say, right, can you, I'm in a bit of a sticky position here. Can you help me out? I'm not gonna be searching on Google for divorce lawyers or what have you, because 
is going to be very difficult to build that level of trust. However, the people that do need websites, I would say, are consumer uh, consumer led businesses, are potentially trades people as well, um, people that want that can provide really valuable information that can help build trust with with their customers. So. Yeah, not blogging is a bit of an old school thing, but providing online resources, whether you know, in forms of ebooks or long format information, checklists, videos, whatever it may be, if you if you're in an industry that can that can provide that level of knowledge and resources, then they're the people that need websites. Good. Okay, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Okay, so what do I say? I say I think I think the reason, like, because you can do all of this stuff in lots of different ways now. You know, even yeah. if you're selling consumer stuff, you can sell on Etsy or Shopify or whatever it might be, or you can sell through Amazon. You can do all sorts of things. So the reason I think people need websites is because it gives them the opportunity to do the search engine marketing thing, yeah. which is PPC and SEO, which we're coming to. And so I think if you are interested in growing your business and you're interested in doing marketing as effectively as possible, then you'd have to understand how PPC or SEO um, might deliver, you know, what the cost of customer acquisition might be through those platforms if you were interested to do that. Yeah. But yeah, only, if, only if your customers are actually engaging with those, with those platforms. So you know, if you're set, you know, for example, someone like, I know. Let's have a look at like uh, handbags, for example. Louis Vuitton comes off the mind, uh, off the main, off, off the top of my head. Now, if you're flogging a, a couple of grand handbag, it's probably unlikely that you're going to be driving your sales through the website. Now, I could be completely wrong about this, but I imagine that most people they're, they're trying to buy a, a you know a couple of thousand pound bespoke handbag or whatever it may be. They're pro you're, pro you're going to have to have the website to sort of showcase your latest things. But I would say probably the majority of people are going to go into store, uh, a bit like with Apple, right? Still, people still love to go into store. They love to test the iPad, love to touch it and feel it and all that kind of stuff. And so that making sure that you're, you've got to look at what your brand, your, your shopping experience is like and your brand is experience is like. And so if you find that majority of your customers are preferring that because of your product. That's what it needs. It needs to. They still go into store and they want to be loved by your salespeople and have a great customer experience. Then focus on that. But if it's the opposite, if you're like a coach, for example, uh, other brands are available. Blah blah blah. But um, is that you probably are going to be selling online. So actually, you need to make sure that you do have the right marketing strategies to sell a hundred pound handbag, for example. And so your website is super important and maybe your shop experience is less important, if that makes sense. That makes sense. And it's interesting when people think of handbags that people very often think of Louis Vuitton. It's like they did some yeah. really effective marketing or something, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, right, good. Okay, that's interesting. So are you saying then, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm valuing what you're saying. It's interesting because it's not what a lot of SEO people or marketing agencies would even say. Every SEO company will say, you need a web presence. You need search yeah. engine optimization. You need websites. So that's good what you're saying. Really good and true. Um, but are you saying then that divorce lawyers shouldn't be marketing themselves? 
well, okay, not not marketing themselves because you can market yourself in different ways, i.e., referral marketing is gonna is is key. You know, word of mouth okay. marketing is really important. Um, and I, I think this is the thing is that marketeers we say well everything is marketing so we've got to do everything and anything and actually that's not as i've mentioned before about two examples with louis vuitton and coach there is you don't have to do everything if that's not the most profitable way of getting your customer so when it comes from an seo perspective the where i've had most success uh, in this small business world are tradespeople, for example because or people that have photographers for example because with something like trades people will type in electrician london or builder london or what have you and a website is a really good way of demonstrating your portfolio demonstrating your customers demonstrate your credibility with online reviews uh linking to your checker trade accounts and all that kind of and all of that kind of stuff so if you can appear at the top of Google for that type of service where it's not completely exclusive, that it's not built 100% on trust, you can build a, a little bit of trust automatically, digitally, by appearing at the top of Google. So, And there are certain industries that is more effective at than others. So I would say trades, that's effective. Uh, because quite a lot of people do use, do type in electrician London or what have you, then say divorce lawyer, divorce lawyer London. So that 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 should give an indication of what people people's behaviour should dictate whether you should do something or not. In my opinion. Brilliant. Yeah, I yeah, I really like what you're saying because it's what I believe. Okay, so then. Okay, so I want to repeat the question now because you do the two things, SEO and websites. Yeah. So now what I need you to tell me is why people need SEO in 2021. So with and whenever I do like a, a presentation for like the FSB or whatever, uh, demystifying SEO, is the reason why I am more passionate about SEO than say social media is that social media has now become, and it's quite a recent thing, projecting something that maybe you are or probably not, or what you project, what, how you want to look like, how you want to, how you want to be perceived. And obviously as a marketeer, it's probably ironic I say that, but with, uh, with SEO, for me, it's about, so with social media, I've recently become a dad in the last six months, so I'm posting pictures of me and my daughter and. We're all, and me and my daughter and wife, we're all happy families, you know, all smiling. Uh, everything looked like a, a fantastic time. But when I was type, going into Google, I was typing, why won't you fucking sleep at 2 a.m.? So actually, in social media, it's all about projecting what you want to be perceived. But when it comes to SEO or Google, that is actually the real behaviours or the, the real truth actually actually comes out because I'm not saying that I was up at 2am trying to feed her or trying to stop her crying, but I'm typing into Google, how can I stop my baby crying? So social media is about how you want to come across and how you want to be perceived, but when people use Google, you actually get the truth. You actually get 
uh, what's really going on with that in, with that individual. And so we as marketeers can exploit that by building content, building resources to help answer those queries, answer those concerns. And if you're at the top of Google, one, you will get found automatically because the vast majority of people will click on the first one or two results in Google. And if you can actually create some really valuable content on your website that matches that query, answers that question, your brand will automatically build trust with that particular user. And I'm not saying that every single user will buy from you as a result, but you will earn trust and you will earn uh, credibility with that user if you can provide some um, content by, via your website and get it found by SEO or by Google. Cool. I also think that, I mean, it's not what I was thinking, but now you've said that, it is kind of like, so what I tell people is that search engine marketing is basically what you're dealing with is motivated buyers because it, this is a little bit like what you're saying, but nobody Googles something for fun. Or maybe they do Google, they Google things for entertainment, but by the sure. time they're putting in where can I buy or how do I do, you know, it's typically because they want to buy something or they want to know how to do something. So that's an interesting perspective. Well, it's not just when they and want to I buy feel something, like it's also when they're in that stage of knowledge and understanding stuff as well. So you know, it is important as marketeers to build trust and credibility at every stage of the buying cycle. So whether it's just at the interest stage or the knowledge building phase, or at they're actually the phase of buying something um, with SEO or search engine marketing, you can you can touch every part of that of that journey um, with building content or having a website that you can then sell your services or have a contact request form or whatever it is, you can you can you can enter that that's that's any stage of the buying cycle um, through SEO or through digital format. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. Um, your head saying there, Martin, is, uh, is that because you don't agree or you have a different view on that? <laughs> don't worry, I'm going to tell you as soon as I don't agree. It's because I'm just working out if I agree or I don't agree. Okay. What do I think? I think that I think 100% by the time somebody is putting into Google, where do I buy X, Y, Z, yeah. they're ready to buy something. Yeah. And maybe if what you're saying, like, so maybe so this this would be the justification for search engine marketing which is ppc and seo yeah so a hundred percent ppc if you're doing ppc well you're in the business of buying customers which is what you should be doing if you're investing in your sales and marketing um so that is that and also i just think we're in a little bit of the, like so we're aware of the customer journey they need to get some awareness they need to get some interest yeah. they need to get some consideration blah 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 and you're 100%, you can get that all the way across um, search engine optimization. I, I wouldn't, I mean, you can if you like, but I wouldn't want to go any fluffier than that. I would want to be saying to people, and, and you're right, the difference between PPC and search engine optimization is the trust. You know, because yeah. at one time, not us, but we were working with a business and they were top for SEO services. 
it was pretty hard work not selling people who found you at the top of Google for SEO services to sell them search engine optimization. Um, so I, I, yeah, here's what I think. Somebody I know describes social media as the great 20th century publishing swindle, 21st century publishing swindle. Because what they've done is they've managed to convince billions of people to become contributors for them and businesses, um, and they've never paid a penny, or largely haven't paid a penny. Certainly Facebook haven't, Instagram, although it's changing a little bit now, YouTube have. But the, what they've done is they've managed to get us all talking about each other, which is what we're most interested in, yeah. and then they've sold us basically our data off the back of that. So you said something earlier about Google. So what exactly is my issue? I've got an issue. So I, what do I think? I think, so social media is essentially media. It's advertised, it's paid advertisement. You know, and you can present yourself however you like because you're paying, you can absolutely do that. Um, Google is also interesting. When I teach people search engine, when I teach people PPC, I tell them Google is after your money. So that's what I think. Google are after your money. every business though. I, I don't, I'm not sure, I don't get that statement because Every business is up. We're, we're we're all after everyone's money, really. It's just, I, what does that what does that mean, Robert? Is that is that what like does that mean? Is a negative thing? It's huge. Ne- well, not a negative as long as you understand sure. that if you are spending money with Google, Google is much better at taking your money than you are probably at keeping it. So, for example, you know, over and so like you said earlier, like if you do want to do Google advertising, you don't really know about it, then, um, you know, then you have to take part of the responsibility. But it seems to me that they are making it increasingly complicated Mm -hmm. that I mean, don't get me started (laughs) because Google, all of these businesses are like you and I, we're small businesses. Yeah. But I understand that if I'm going to get your money consistently, I'm going to need to deliver value in your business. Whereas Google and Facebook and those kinds of businesses really, I don't think, particularly care about delivering value at all. Because if I'm running Google PPC campaigns and I need some advice from Google, I can speak to somebody. It's the only, per- the only people I can speak to at Google are people who will get money out of me for AdWords um, or ads, as they call it now. Um, and their recommendation is going to be run more campaigns, run more um, keywords, you know, don't exact match thing like spend yeah. more money is going to be there. I, you know what, I, I must say that whilst I am not always defender of Google and they definitely have their flaws, I, that's not completely true in all honesty. Um, they've actually, they've turned that corner a lot. So they, they've got entire inside we call them inside salespeople, but inside campaign optimizers and what have you. And having experienced this for my own PPC campaigns, whilst they, they're they not as great as doing it as third-party agencies, and we, we don't do a lot of PPC, so I talk from a, uh, a neutral standpoint on this, they are actually, they can offer some value in terms of, in terms of how to optimize certain campaigns on a small level. The, the instant response isn't always build another campaign, add more keywords. They are, they can be pretty good. They, they can offer some pretty good advice as to how to reduce the amount of 
cost per click, for example. They still ultimately want you to, to buy more, but it's not just buy more and you'll get more success. It's actually they do provide some value of how to optimize a little bit for your campaign. You'll see some results. So then you then gain more confidence and trust in, in Google AdWords. And then so therefore you're more inclined, obviously, to spend more. But they, they, are, they are getting a lot better just to defend them slightly. <laughs> Okay, well, you can defend them. That's not my experience. I gave up on phoning Google a long time ago. Like, so I haven't spoken to yeah. Google in as long as I'd like to remember. Fair enough. Okay, it's, it's, so, it's but this... It's different now. It's different now. Yeah, good. And part of the reason I'm having these conversations is to get a sense of what's going on in the world. I haven't yeah. proactively marketed sure. my business for, like, since 2014, so it's been seven years. And I was thinking today, you know, I took the trouble to work out how all of these things worked because I was in the business of doing this for my customers and for myself and I haven't been for the last seven years or only in a very limited way. Um, what did I want to say about that? Okay then, here's the nail in the coffin for me and Google. Okay. They used to tell you where you ranked on PPC mm -hmm. and then they stopped. And right. this was about two years ago. Right. Now, forgive me for being a cynical old conspiracy theorist, but what I always thought is that I am bidding to rank in their AdWords, you know, in their AdWords listing. And let's be honest, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Like, and if, so if every month I would do the report for my customer and it would say, and this is your average ranking. Yeah. And what I would do is I'd look at each of the campaigns or each of the keywords and I would say, okay, that was in 1.2, I want it in one, and so I'm gonna add, I don't know, two pence or eight pence or whatever it might have been, and this one is consistently in first place, maybe I can take five pence from there. And basically, that was the one criteria that enabled you, empowered you to, to manage your ad campaigns. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, this is the last time I phoned Google, it's gone. Right. And so, if they're not only interested in taking your money, like how do I manage that now? Like, so I've stopped running PPC campaigns for my customers because sure. what am I buying if I'm not buying the opportunity to be at the top of Google for exactly the thing that I want to be at the top of Google for, then, what, then exactly what am I paying? So why would they do that if they weren't just interested in making it more difficult for you to run your campaigns effectively? So I don't do PPC, and this will be on the final question, who else should I speak to? Because that's kind of, I feel it would be, be a great person to speak to. However, what I, will, what I will say is that Google, the reason why we as users, and this is taking my marketing agency hat off, we as users trust Google to give us the most relevant information or most relevant websites or results to our query. And so what Google is constantly doing is honoring that commitment to its users that the, whatever results we put on our search results page it is the most re it's the most relevant information according to your query and that's why they constantly do algorithm updates and all that kind of stuff and so providing really relevant information to a customer query especially if it's more the holistic stuff like why do this or how does it do that is actually really difficult it's actually really difficult providing valuable information that is different, that the customer is going to actually engage with. And we as marketeers, well, I wouldn't say we as marketeers, but because it's difficult, 
it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of resources um, to do. And so therefore what we, what majority of people is go, well, I don't want to try and do all that really, all that hard work. I just want to do a couple of fixes on my website or I want to pay an extra five pence more on my Google ad campaign to get to the top. And I don't actually, don't, I don't want to do the work that's actually necessary for the user to stay on the web, the web page and actually get some value out of it. So I think we're always looking to try and find the easy way to get around that. And, but Google is making it even more, even more hard, more, much more harder um, to get into the top spaces for PPC and also for um, from the organic searches as well. And so therefore, the people that are putting the time in are actually different. They are actually providing a lot of valuable information. They're ultimately staying. They're getting to the top quicker, and they're staying there for longer. So I think that's that's something that we people need to re reflect on now. Because I, I think there's a lot of people in the SEO world where it was build a web page, stuff it with a load of keywords in the copy, and also in the meta tag keywords, shove it, stuff it with a load of uh, keywords that matched what Google would type into Google. And that was it. It was really easy. It was like, yeah, I can I can earn a few hundred quid a month for, for doing this. But now it's a lot, it's a lot more um, resource intensive. It's a lot more challenging in order to get to the top of Google. But if you're willing to put the work in, you will get the results. Okay, good. I'm not gonna I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about them taking this thing off and I'm taking it out to you out on you because you might be the third person that's been prepared to talk to me about anything like this since then. So let me stop doing that. Okay, but I'm not going to stop challenging you if that's cool. Is that cool? Brilliant, love it. <laughs> cool. So you're saying they are making it, so this is an SEO thing. Yeah. You're, say, you're saying they're making it harder to get to the top of the page, yeah. and they absolutely, now because I am a cynical old conspiracy theorist, yeah. um, are you cool with that? Is all right? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Shall I switch off now? I can't, can't be associated with that, right? <laughs> I'll be, I'll be cancelled in a week. <laughs> so the thing is, what is the thing about that? Is that they are physically making it more difficult to get to the top of the page. Yeah. So the top four results now are going to be paid results. Then you might get some like local results. Then you might get some video results. And then I'll tell you what they'll do, which really knocks me is they'll put in a little snippet result that gives the, the, the searcher the, um, the answer to the question. So the reason your daughter isn't sleeping at 2 o'clock in the morning is because you're a terrible parent. You can just close Google now and go back to bed. But you see, so realistically, and in lots of instances, if you are number one on the natural listings on Google, you could be the 10th or the 12th result on that page. And people have to, especially on their phones, have to do a considerable amount of scrolling before they're even going to get to you. Now, I know why Google are doing this. is because Google want your money. So that's fine. <laughs> we don't have to argue about that. But uh, um, uh, it's not. It's because, it's because whatever you've got on your website, Google has figured out that their people are less engaged. Okay? So adverts, the adverts will always appear top because ultimately... Google is a phenomenal resource that we as users use for free, and so they have to make money. Um, yes, selling data, that's a separate conversation and all that kind of stuff, but the adverts is always going to appear top because ultimately that's how they pay for this amazing resource that we all use, everyone in the globe uses. The second bit, local, is because 
Google realizes that for certain companies, local is the local is the key, that people want to buy local, people want to use local agencies or local companies when it makes sense to do so. Then the third bit with the videos, people are naturally more engaged in videos. You know, this 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 interview we're doing. I'm sure there's going to be more people watching this on YouTube or on video format than if, if this was in a, a, a printed transcript on a blog. So that's why Google's realized that and they've gone, actually, well, we want to have, give information in a format that's more engaging for people. So that's why we're prioritizing on certain keyword searches, video over, over written format. Okay, but you haven't answered the really challenging one, which is the snippet. They're taking your work and they're putting it on their service so that people don't have to leave their service to get the answer that they're looking for. That's well, naughty, come on. It, it, Can we it, just, it, say, just say once Google are a little bit naughty? No, no, because, no, because, no, no not at all, <laughs> because they're, they're, they're given an answer to a question. If, 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 it's, if it's quite a deep and meaningful question, that Google's only got a couple, can only display a couple of lines. So there's still the vast majority of people will click on that, um, that article and read more about it. If it's say, what year did England win the, the World Cup, blah, blah, blah. Yes, and they will just display 1966 and they'll take someone else's website and use that. Yes, you have a, you, you've got a point there, but then don't try and rank on, don't spend loads of time ranking on Google for, for questions answer information about a question that is just literally one or two sentences. Invest time in find, answering questions that people will invest time in, will engage with for more than you know a couple of minutes. Okay, cool. That'd be my answer. All right, got... Okay, and that makes perfect sense. I still think they want your money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I mean, if they don't want your money, they are remarkably good at taking businesses' money. And this is the other point that I wanted to make is not so much about Google, but maybe about Google. Like historically, if less about Google, but so historically like Facebook, like the social media, they would have paid 10 or 15% commission to the agency that sold that media. And because they cut out that, those agencies, you know, we should have all become millionaires by selling this really well. So I don't really want to I don't really want to argue with you about that because um, like you say it's not your specialization. Okay then so how do we do it? How do we do search engine optimization in a way that is cost effective for us and effective? You know yeah. how 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 does that work? Okay, so the way so the way that I try and describe search engine optimization is that there are three three pillars to it. So you've got your technical SEO, you've got your on-page SEO, and you've got your off-page SEO. Now, what what Google is trying to do is say that if I was speaking to you, Martin, and asking you a question about who is the best person that can help answer this question or that can provide this service. The three things almost sort of layer up to how we act as social beings. So the technical SEO is how, how you're presented. So if I asked you for who's the best lawyer and I turn up with not in a suit, really scruffy, hair all over the place, you know, I, I look a complete mess, you're less likely to, uh, to, to, rec to recommend me as, a, as, as the lawyer. 
So technical stuff is basically presenting your website in a format that's that Google wants to see that it can search properly, that it's all it's all correct, it's not a bit of a mess. Then you've got your on-page SEO, which is actually the content that you actually put put on there. So Google will actually analyze all of your content. It will use its algorithm to say, is this valuable? Is this actually informative? Um, and actually, is this going to be, are users engaging with it? Because they'll what Google will do on the on-page stuff is they'll they'll mess around, they'll sort of play a rattle experiment with your web page. So it will recognize that if someone goes onto your website and only stays on there for a matter of seconds and then goes back to Google and then clicks on the the one below, it knows that you're that you you've not provided the valuable resource or answered the question. So that's the on-page stuff. And then the off-page stuff is about credibility. So when I ask you for a lawyer, I'm I'm going to ask you, okay, they look, they're, they're presented well, they've clearly got, you know, they can give, they've given you a rough information, uh, the correct information, but actually have they got any case studies or have they got any references? Have they got any um, other credibility that backs up what they're, what they are saying? And that's where you have to get your website on other, other third party websites. You have to get other people to link your to your content from their website. And that's kind of it in a nutshell, those three things. And when you think about it, when Google, as I said before, like when Google is trying to mimic uh, the social interactions that we have as humans, if you can get those three things right, then you're gonna be in a, in a really good spot. Okay, which spot are you going to need to be in? Because really, if you're not in number one spot, yeah. You, and given that number one spot might be in 10th or 12th position already, yeah. like really being in second spot or third spot isn't going to do it for you. Well, that all depends. Okay, so that's why when we as SEOs, when we work with a customer, is that we look at keyword volumes. So we say, right, how often are people typing in XYZ London or yeah, the, the, the answer to the question, you know, whatever you put in Google. Now, if there are, say, 10,000 searches, you know that probably 50, maybe 40 to 50 percent of people are going to click on number one. And then that drops down to like 10 percent for number two, 5 percent for number three. And then it's single digits after that. But even if you're number three or four and you're getting 5 percent of 10,000 searches a month, that's still going to be a decent enough traffic. And then if you've got, if you do actually provide valuable information on there that people engage with and explore the rest of your website, send you a contact request form, that's still going to be okay, especially if the value of your customer that does that is worth my fees or the, the investment that you've put in into it. So if, you, if, you're, if you've got 10,000 searches a month and it's a really competitive keyword, and someone's paying you, if someone's charging you two grand to get to number third spot, and you say you get a thousand visits, but you only get a pound from every customer, then it's not going to be worth your time because you're going to be spending more on the agency service than what you're getting back. But if it's say you're getting a thousand people in your, on your website and a hundred and you get a hundred people spending 500 pounds a month, then it, 
you know, my, my agency fees become almost irrelevant because you're getting you're going to get that return you're going to get that return of investment and if you're in number one spot fantastic but ultimately even if you're number two or three as long as you get that roi and what we mentioned at the start of this interview that's ultimately what it comes down to then that's going to be a solid business investment for you good so and and this to, this to me is how i rationalize all of this is you've you've got to make it objective you've it's got yeah. to be about numbers so yeah. for me it's always about cost of customer acquisition and then customer lifetime value and profitability you know can we actually generate a return on investment from each of these things yeah okay i've got a bit of an issue you won't be surprised to hear i've got yeah. lots of issues um but i've got a bit of an issue with um like when I started my business in 2005, it was just me and I was, I also came from sales. So I was just running around talking to small business owners about what I would do if I was a salesperson in their business. And I was always the sort of salesperson who had to do like self-gen and stuff like that. So it was always like marketing and sales. Um, and then very quickly, people wanted telemarketing. So like an idiot, I provided telemarketing for a couple of years. And that's all I did. Yeah maybe a couple of years is long. I mean, then digital started happening, so it made sense to do it with email and then uh, some PPC and then social kicked off and then, you know, so that's how I ended up with digital. Um, so I have got a little bit of an issue with people who, so if you came to me in 2006, late 2006, and you said, I need some help with my marketing, what can you do? Mm -hmm. The answer would always have been telemarketing because that's what we offered. Sure. So I do have a little bit of an issue with people who say that, and especially on YouTube, people who say, oh, Facebook is the one thing that's going to change your business or something else. So I've got an issue with people who, who offer just one of these things. For me, it has to be integrated. You have to test all of it. You have to know what each thing can do for your business. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's, yes, it's, it's difficult to say that. I, we've specialized um, and we've been very successful by specializing. Um, maybe if we expanded our marketing services and I brought the right people in to, as you say, to integrate all of that, that may help. But I, I think it's, it's six of one and a half dozen the other. There are some very uh, broad brush marketing agencies, but there are also some phenomenal specialist agencies as well. So I think ultimately it comes down to the, it comes down to the knowledge of the business owner. If you've got someone who is in their mid twenties that is all over Instagram for their personal life and they're you know doing reels and they're doing TikToks or they're doing whatever, they probably don't need advice on social media because they're probably going to be comfortable with that. So they're going to say, actually, you know what, I'm pretty comfortable with my social media, so I need someone to focus on SEO because I believe that's another good source of getting customers. But if you're getting someone who's very technical, that loves what they do, but they sort of Bit blinkered on the uh, the business side of things and they don't really care about marketing but they know it's important that's probably when a fully integrated broad brush marketing agency might be really good for them so i think it's horses for courses good that's a good answer interestingly i think if there are three markets digital marketing things that you can sustain a business on it would be seo ppc and youtube advertising i think i think those three things can and do stand alone so the only issue then with SEO is it takes a an amount of time for it to take effect and for them to actually see the benefits so how do you keep them engaged 
until such time as the, the cash registers going insane with their amazing SEO. Yeah, so what it, it does take time. So that's where, so you, you have got tools out there and it's just own personal experience and knowledge about the more competitive the keyword is, i.e. the more people optimizing their website to target that keyword, um, the longer it's gonna take to get there. So normally, we will look at less competitive keywords just to get some quick wins under the belt um, and demonstrate our credibility, demonstrate that we can actually do what we say we're gonna do. Start off with those and then work our way up to the more competitive, to more the more competitive keywords. Now, if someone only wants marketing agency London and they're a brand new company, brand new website, we will walk away from that from that opportunity. We're not just going to take a load of money because we know that's going to be such a challenging keyword to do. And likewise, if you went handbag, you know, luxury handbag handbags, you know, and you wanted a global search, and you're a brand new and you're a brand new handbag agency based in you know, Sussex or whatever, is it's going to be too challenging. So actually, from those perspectives, that's when we would we would walk away. So start start off small, experiment, um, do some low cost testing with some long tail keywords. You know, that's got a decent amount of volume in there, and then slowly build it up, build it up from there. Okay, good, cool. What amazes me about SEO because we are talking about the deepest, darkest you know, black magic secret of all of marketing is how easy it is actually when you just get down and do the work and how actually, like you say, if it's stupidly competitive, God, we used to have people in 2007, 2008 phone us up and they wanted to be number one for mobile phone. Yeah. You know, so hopefully it's a little bit less stupid than that now. Um, but actually, if you're not in too competitive a market and you can get a sustained investment, um, it amazes me how often this is actually really achievable and really effective. Yeah, can't, can't argue with that. And uh, I was going to make something very thought-provoking there, but it's just gone out of my mind, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. Like, SEO is just one of those things where it, SEO agencies love the idea that it's, it's black magic, it's dark arts, that you as a mere mortal could not possibly understand how it all works and that actually you i'm the only person that knows but ultimately it's like anything in, it's like anything in business if you study it you understand the mechanics you understand that uh, start to begin how google algorithm works and then you also you see then you use sort of data-driven analytics to say right okay well i'm going to experiment doing this on my website does this boost my rankings or does it reduce it then you start recording those activities or the behaviors that you do, and then you get to understand exactly what the Google, how the Google algorithm works. Because I think ultimately, not even Google really understands how it works. It's just so big and so powerful. You know, you've, you've got these two guys um, that are based in Germany and Austria, I think, and they're, they're meant to be the, the faces of SEO to, to agencies and to, SE, uh, and to the SEO world. But they just give such vague sort of almost pointless answers to things. You almost just have to discredit them, really, because I think either they're just being really, really vague on purpose so that SEOs don't manipulate it, or what I'm starting to think is that actually Google doesn't truly understand every element of their algorithm because it's just so large and complex. And so you just got to do many experiments and, uh, and, 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 see, and see what the data shows you ultimately. 
I'm so happy to hear you say that. You know why? Because it feels like you're coming to the dark side. <laughs> exactly. Almost. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, I don't, I don't want to start another argument because I know we're right at the end of the time <laughs> that we agreed to spend talking to each other. I don't believe, I don't believe in these algorithms, and I don't believe in artificial intelligence. Boom. Oh, that's a big. <laughs> leave that right at the end, then, Martin. Crikey! Can we come back next week no. and have a discussion about that? But no, it's you don't have to. You don't have to come back next week, but absolutely, you're welcome to come back. If you could come back in maybe a month or two, because I really want to have this conversation with people because yeah. I really want to have this conversation because, I mean, it just seems to me to be an insane situation. Like you say, like you say, Google doesn't understand. Well, let's, can we have that conversation at some point in the future? Because I would absolutely love to have it. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to explore it. as I'd love to explore that as well. I, I, I think ultimately... Google does understand us, and I think you know we've all seen. Yeah, prob well, say all, but uh, you may have seen documentaries on Netflix about how algorithms work on Facebook and Google, and that actually all of these algorithms have got so much data that they know what we're going to do before them, and that that may be conspiracy theories, but ultimately we can see it happen. Um, I certainly know that face, so a lot of the social media platforms, in particular Facebook, is really, really good at that because they've got so much data on our behaviour uh, on when we when we do something at a certain time that's going to lead us to to X Y Z. So there's um, a company that does Facebook ads and they've sold to care homes. That uh, they sell their ads to care homes and. What they do is that they target people that are looking for power of that downloading power of attorney documents because that indicates, based on the Facebook algorithm, that the majority of people that are trying to download power of attorney means that they've got a, a loved one that is in bad health, bad health, or potentially bad health state coming to something, and then so they know within six to twelve months that they're going to start looking at care homes. So they start feeding that funnel of adverts for care homes in the local area or what have you based on this data. And that is a conversation worth having, whether it's an ethical question or wh whatever it is, but that's the sort of stuff that's coming out, allegedly. I'll Good. put that let's... in case they're not, <laughs> or they deny or not. Okay, <laughs> let's have that conversation because I really, and I mean, it just shows the difference between you and I, because immediately you started saying that. I'm like, yeah, by the time you're looking to get power of attorney over your loved one, yeah. you're ready to ship them out to a nursing home as well. Do you know what I mean? So that's how, that's the difference in our outlooks. Man, I've enjoyed this so much. You know what? It. It's um, cool. And I know I've been challenging, but that's, uh, what can I do? I'm an arsehole. What can I do? <laughs> you know, but it makes for an interesting conversation, I think. And what's the thing about it? It's like, it's been so long since I've heard like a different perspective. Do you know what I mean? And like I was doing what you're doing now when I started my business way back in 2006, 2005, finding ways to explain this to people that made it accessible. But obviously things have changed dramatically since then. So I've also thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. Now, the other questions were, how do you feel about marketing? I think you've made it quite clear how you feel about marketing. You're a huge, huge um, proponent of marketing, as am I. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think our perspectives are different because I am, I've spent, you know, 15 years in the trenches 
and so I understand we're at war with these corporations, whereas you're working with them. That's perfectly admirable. Yeah. The other question is, um, what, what is your recommendation for people in the current predicament? And you kind of started by answering that at the beginning. Maybe start a business, network a lot. Um, well, you know, yeah. maybe. I think ultimately it's low cost testing. Do try everything. Low, do some low cost testing. So that may be a couple of thousand pounds for your larger companies that may be 10, 15, 20 quid for smaller companies. Um, but try everything and let the results tell you whether it's worked or not. Cool. Excellent. So test. I mean, that is when I teach students digital marketing, what I tell them actually is I can't teach them digital marketing. It's like when you teach people to surf, the best you can do is teach them how to be safe in the water and then give them the enthusiasm, the confidence to go out and get wet a lot. That's, that's kind of what I tell people. And the answer to every question in digital marketing is test. 100%, I agree with you. Um, okay, cool. So then the only other question is, let me find a pen and a piece of paper, is who else should I be speaking to? Who else might enjoy having one of these ridiculously challenging conversations? Well, I'd love to put you, uh, while I do, I'm going to introduce you to, um, to a guy that I, I know really well. He's, he's, he's in his early 20s. Um, he's a super intelligent guy. I was going to call him a kid there, but that would be too patronizing. But yeah, super intelligent guy. He's, he has come from a music producer. He was a music producer in his uh, early teenage years. Super successful, uh, especially with di digital marketing tools like using Facebook ads and um, PPC and all that kind of stuff. Has interviewed some really uh, impressive, impressive guys. Uh, built a massive Twitter following, massive fo uh, Facebook following. Um, but obviously the pandemic has hit, and uh, he's now gone from the music industry into marketing agency to deliver services across the um, you know, to small businesses and medium-sized businesses. Um, so he will probably give you a bit of a different perspective. Uh, he'll probably make feel, make everyone feel very old. But uh, yeah, it's a guy guy called David from uh, Sinclair Media Group. I think he should be your next next target. <laughs> <laughs> Good, David from Sinclair Media Group. Yeah. Okay, cool. Do you have somebody else? Do you think that might also enjoy being a victim of this process? Yeah. So I think there's a uh, a lady called Claire Puplet, who's also I know, who's more um, holistic in marketing as well. So she's been marketing, marketing for like 20, 30 years. She dabbles with a little bit of everything, everything from print all the way through to digital marketing, SEO, website strategies. So she's had a lot of experience covering everything and uh, she's always got lots of interesting things to say. Okay, cool. And will you send me some contact details or something, their names, so I can yep, reach absolutely. out and find these people? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Man, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I have thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. I think um, this is kind of where these conversations are going, where it becomes more about how do people actually do things and why they do things. So I think you're the first person that's taken us down, down that route. So thank you so much, man, for your time. No, brilliant. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's been, yeah, it's been great fun.